<laughs> Amen. Uh, I was uh, reminding you all to uh, get your heart and your mind centered around this season, this Christmas season. Um, don't let it pass you by like uh, any other day, uh, but get your heart and your mind uh, into this season. Uh, fill your heart, fill your environment with the Christmas songs. Uh, let the words of the gospel carols uh, rejuvenate your spirit. Emmanuel, God with us. Allow God to have a fresh visitation uh, over your life. Amen. Let's bow our heads as we come to part two of our Christmas series. Father, we thank you for yet another opportunity that you've granted us, Lord God. Uh, we ask that even now you speak to our hearts, words of life. You will motivate our wills to capture the truth of this season and not to uh, just let it pass us by. And so, uh, great teacher, great mentor, great guide, uh, come and speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, give us uh, that understanding, give us the wisdom, the knowledge to receive the truth of your word and give us the will to put it into practice that our lives will be greatly enhanced as you have purpose for us. You say a person shall live by every word that comes out of your mouth. And so give us ears to hear, hearts to discern, and wills to apply your word to our lives. We thank you, our King, our Savior, our Master. Emmanuel, God with us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Merry Christmas again, all of you. A big welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us, wherever you are. Uh, it's good to see you. Good to see many of you are online. May the Lord bless you. If you're joining us for the first time or have joined us uh, just recently, uh, thank you so much. A uh, great uh, shout out to you. My name is Mike Pra. I am the chief servant of Favor Life Church, and I am always thrilled uh, to bring the grace, the mercy, the compassion, and then the word of God to uplift your heart. So you're in good company. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, we are in part two of our Christmas series, The Gift of Christmas. Last week, we looked at the wonder of Christmas from Matthew 1. Uh, the video of the message is right on our website, the website that you are on. Uh, at some point this week, if you missed that, go into uh, to sermon list, sermon archives, and uh, listen to that. You'll be mightily blessed. Uh, today's message will be out as there on our website as well. And all through this series, we've been focusing on the greatest gift that God gave us, which is himself during this season. And today, uh, we're going to focus on the type of person God uses and how we can be usable by God. You know, God is faithful. In other words, God is consistent. He's not trying to play hide and seek with us. The ways of God can be known. And God uh, says, you know, if you walk in my will, you're going to be blessed. And he shows us what that will and way is. And so there is a type print. There is a signature note of the people that God uh, wants to use and bless. Now, I'm sure you want to be blessable by God, but for you to be blessable by God, you've got to be usable. The Bible says the eye of the Lord looks through and through, looking for people he might use and bless. And the question I want to answer in this message today is, who 
does God choose to use? What is that the, the, the type of person that God uses? I mean, is God random? Is he subjective? Is he arbitrary? Is he indiscriminate with who he chooses? Does he pick every Tom, Dick, and Harry to do big things, to accomplish great and awesome things in his divine plan for the universe? Absolutely not. Now, some of you may be saying, well, God can never use me. If you know my past, uh, God can never use me. Well, my message to you is this short couple of words. You're wrong. Absolutely wrong. Not only can God use you, but God wants to use you. He's waiting and he's eager to use you in ways that you've not even imagined. If you will just get usable, if you will just get in line with God, God will wear you out. God literally will put so much on your plate that you're going to say, oh my gosh, look at Everything. Look at all the places he's taking me. Look at all the opportunities he's opened for me. Look at all the things that God is using me to accomplish. You're going to be the light of your world. God is going to stretch you if you allow yourself to be used by God. He will stretch you beyond your age, beyond your race, beyond your education, beyond your background, beyond your past experience. People who have known you, have lived with you, have, have gone to school with you, will look at you and say, man, I never thought this would happen to you. I never thought that you would be doing these things. God will wow you. He will wear you out. And this morning, what I want to do is share with you an example because it's the Christmas season. I want us to look at the life of Mary and glean from her life why God chose Mary above all the women of the world. And the same reasons why God chose Mary are the same reasons that God chooses everybody that he's ever called and used and blessed in life. Now, let me debunk some of the misconceptions about Mary very early in this message. You see, not once in the Bible does it say we have to worship Mary. She's not deity. She's not God. Not once in the Bible does she say that Mary is perfect or she's sinless. The Bible doesn't teach us that we should pray to her or through her. She is not God and the Bible is very clear on that. It doesn't say we are to adore Mary or revere her or idolize her. In fact, what is special about Mary was her plain ordinariness. It's, it's, God chose her to exemplify that God can take an ordinary woman and use her in an extraordinary way. And that's what's special about her. That as ordinary as she is, God picked her and did something majestic in her and has made her name so glorious, so historic, and has lasted her lifetime, and God wants to do the same for you. So why did God choose Mary? It wasn't because of her education, because she didn't have any education. It wasn't because of her wealth. The Bible is very clear that she was poor. She came from a poor little town that was the dustbin 
Nazarite. They used to say, can anything good come out of Nazarite? She wasn't educated. She wasn't wealthy. She wasn't even mature. The Bible is very clear. She was a teenager, uh, perhaps about 17, no more than 19 years old. But God chose Mary because Mary trusted God. The only qualified, the only reason where she came in line, the only reason where God picked her when she looked around the face of the earth is God picked Mary because Mary trusted God. And so here is the big idea. Every time we get, come together, I try to give you a digest, a reader's digest, digest of what the message is so that if you were to tune out, you say, oh, this is what the message is. So throughout the message, you're going to see uh, this message situated. And this is the, this is the, um, the, the, um, the, um, the, uh, the key point in our, in, our, in our message today. This is the key point. It is this. It is this. Or read that with me if you see it on your screen. It says what? Trusting God and going all the way with him will make all the difference in my life. What do you, I repeat that. Say that with me. Trusting God and going all the way with him will make all the difference in my life. Trusting God and not skimping and not uh, going one foot in, one foot out. Uh, going all the way. Put it all on the line. Leaving out, out on the field. No regrets. No delays. Uh, just, just going all in with God is, is the difference maker in your life. And this is what we see in the life of Mary. And today what I want to do is uh, I, I want to share with you three things. Three things that made the difference in Mary's life. She had all kinds of fears, but she never let her fears control her. She said she modeled three things that you must have in your life in order for God to use you. For you to go all in in God. For God to take your ordinariness, your brokenness as we all are as humans. For God to do something majestic in your life. There are three things that Mary's life exemplified that you must put into practice. Now notice an angel came to her in Luke 1. In Luke 1, here's what happens. Luke chapter 1. It says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. So here's what's happening. God moves in, the angel comes in, and then he says, hey, Mary, I know you're engaged, you're getting ready to get married, but guess what? Something is it's about to happen to you. And the angel breaks this news to Mary. You're going to be the mother of Jesus. Jesus is going to do all th great things. He's going to save his people from his sins. He is God himself, God with us. And here's the reaction of Mary. Look at verse 29 30 uh, of Luke 1. It says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be frightened, Mary, the angel told her, for God has decided to wonderfully bless you. Confused, disturbed, and frightened. Now that word, that Greek word for confused and disturbed is diataso. Diataso. It's where we get the word petrified. I mean, she was sharp beyond human explanation. It, it, that word means agitated greatly. It means scared to death. 
Now, won't you be scared today if an angel showed up at your door and broke this news to you? You see, Mary had every reason to be frightened, but she didn't let her fears control her. God says, you're going to be the mother of the Son of God. Everything that you have read in Sunday school, that the Messiah is coming, the Son of God is coming, the Redeemer is coming, it's here and it's going to be through you. This is the appointed time. And I'm sure she had all kinds of fears. And my brother, sister, the, 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 the kind of fears we can imagine that Mary had are the same kind of fears that you will go through that many times keeps us from stepping forward and going all out and all in to be used by God in a big way. Here are them. Let me give you, let, let me give you four of these. The possible fears. One is the fear of criticisms. Was everybody going to think about me? This stuff that has never happened before, a virgin giving birth, I mean, people are going to criticize me, people are going to call me names. Uh, it never happened before in my lifetime. Fear of criticisms. Second is the fear of the supernatural. God's going to take over my life. Something majestic, something extraordinary, something miraculous is going to happen. Wow. Wow. Also, the fear of inadequacy. How am I going to handle this? How am I going to handle this? I've never been a mother before. I've never raised a child, much more the God himself to be able to take care of. Wow. That, that, that's too big a job. Fear of inadequacy. Fear of not having the resources, the skills, the education, the know-how, the support to be able to do something big that has come upon you. Next is the fear of change. It's going to change my life. I mean, it's really, I mean, I like where I am. I like my situation. I like my, my experience, my background. This is the way I was brought up. This is the way my, my ancestors were brought up. In my town, in my family, in my background, this is the way we do things. And this is going to bring change that I can deal with. These are the four things, my brother and sister, that will keep anyone from being used by God. And everyone who was used by God had to overcome these four fears. The fear of criticisms. If I fail, what's going to happen? People are going to laugh at me. I, things are not going to get perfect from the start. And I just don't want to fail. And so, and so I'm just not going to do it. Fear of criticism. What are they going to say? If I took this job, if I started this class, if I took this trip, if I went here, if I stepped forward to serve God, what are people going to say? They're going to laugh at me. Fear of criticism. Fear of the supernatural. That something bigger than yourself, something greater than yourself, something that you can't control, something that you can't turn off when it becomes part and parcel of your There are folk who, who just want to control everything in their life. That anything they can't understand, they can't read, they cannot or connect with it. It's like, no, it's too complicated. I don't want to do that. I'm in fear, fear of the supernatural. What will happen to me? My life is going to change so drastically. I've been living this life for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. Now all of a sudden, I'm going to be what? I'm going to go where? Fear of the supernatural. The fear of inadequacy. The what? The where? God doesn't give us explanations. He doesn't tell us, oh God, the way everything will turn out from the start. 
He said, just trust me. But the fear of inadequacy, the fear of not knowing what tomorrow will bring, the fear of not knowing where this world will lead, oftentimes will cause people to stop and not go. Well, I know how this is going to turn out. I just, I've got to see it to believe it. God says that I tell you that if you believe, you see the glory of God. The fear of change. The fear of change. And everybody who was used by God had to overcome these four fears. Every time I start something new, every time I'm writing a message, every time I'm coming over here, <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to literally just kick down these four fears. Fear of criticism, fear of the supernatural, fear of inadequacy, fear of change. God wants to do big things in your life, and you've got to be in a place like Mary, where yes, your technology changes, but there's these fears, but you realize that with God, all things are possible. I can move past it. And there are three things that, that you must do to be able to negate, to be able to mitigate, to be able to knock down these fears, and that's what I want to share with you. And these are these three things that every person who's been used by God exemplified in their lives. These three things. The type of person God uses must desire to do God's will, must dare to trust God's promises, and must decide to pay the cost, whatever it is. That God uses people who desire, I want to do God's will. God uses people who dare to trust in his purposes. I'm going to follow what God says, and I'm going to trust that even though I don't see it, God is doing it, and I'm going to trust in him. The kind of people that God uses are those who always are paying the cost, forgetting about themselves, throwing aside their comfort, knowing that they were made for something that's bigger than themselves. If you want to build your life, if, if you want God to do big things in you, my brother, my sister, here are the three things you must do. The first is this. The first is this. You must understand this. The type of person God uses is this, that God uses people who do what? Desire to do his will. God uses people who desire to do his will. You've got to want to do God's will more than anything else. You've got to say, I want God's plan for my life. I want it. Now, we said here at Lala Favor Life Church that God has a custom plan for you. But it is not automatic. God made a purpose for your life, but you could miss that purpose. You must choose to cooperate with God's purpose for your life or you, could, you will miss it. All through the pages of the Bible, this theme, this motif is very clear. There's God's responsibility and human surrender. God's sovereignty and human surrender. God's sovereignty and human subordination. God's sovereignty and human acceptance. This is what God has planned for your life, but you could miss it. It's not automatic. You could waste your life, you could blow your life, you could squander your life and not make it count. God's, the reason is God's plan for your life. Though it is good, perfect, and pleasing, it's not automatic. You've got to desire to do God's will. And God uses people who desire to do his will. God will always use people who say, God, I really want you first in my life. And I want to be what you made me to be. 
one day the angel shows up in Mary's life and the angel says, God's got this fantastic plan. God is going to come in the person of a child. And you're going to be the mama of this God child. God's going to use you to take care of this child, to bathe this child, to feed this child, to help this child through infancy and through adolescence. You're going to be the mama and you're going to be the vehicle in which the Messiah is going to enter this world. Listen to Mary's response. Listen to this. Luke 1, 46 to 48. Then Mary responded, My soul praises the Lord. My heart rejoices in God my Savior because he has shown his concern for his humble servant girl. From now on, all people will say, I am blessed. Mary didn't say it's too scary. I can't understand. I haven't seen that before. Oh, they never taught me about, about this in my, in my Sunday school. My mama never experienced this thing. My, nobody in my family went through this, and so go find somebody else. When God says, came to Mary and said, I want to use you, Mary didn't say, I've got wedding plans. Now, you know how Jewish wedding lasts. It lasts a whole week. <laughs> it's a big celebration. The whole week. And every day, here's what's happening. The couple is going to the home of notables in the city, in the town. They will spend a day at the mayor's office, and everything is prepared and planned. There's feasting, there's dancing, there's music. And then the next day, they go to the judge's house, and then there's celebration, and everybody is coordinating them and celebrating them and praising them. When they are coming, people are cheering. There's the sound of horns. The, the third day, they go to the judge's house. The next day, they go to the town clerk's house. And so, he, he, he has the couple here. It's a big deal. Every little girl wanted to grow up to have a Jewish wedding, that week-long celebration, spending time with all the hobnobs, spending time with all the celebrators, spending time with all the elders in that town, in that city, and then on the final day, it's a all-day event from morning through the night. People are just drinking and dancing and eating and having a wonderful time. And the couple is out there stopping down the way. It's like some, they, are, they are here, they are coming, they are coming. The people are dancing. They are coming. They are hailing them. It's a big deal. And then they show up and what a great celebration it is. Jesus situated a Jewish wedding, used that in the parable of the ten virgins. Remember, he says there were ten virgins, and they had all oil in their lamps, and the master said, come, you never know when the bridegroom will show up, and so don't put a time limit on it. This is, this is the, the epitome of a Jewish wedding. And when God, the angel, came and said, hey, Mary, you're not going to have a wedding. Instead, everything is going to be shoved to the side, and you're going to be pregnant and have a child. Oh, she did not bulge on that. She didn't say, no, 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 hold on. I'll be waiting for this, this wedding plan. You can change this wedding plan. We've got everything lined up. I mean, I've had my plan since I was a little girl. No. You've got to be willing You've got to be willing to do God's will. You've got to desire to do what God says. She didn't say find somebody else. She had a wedding. 
and she kicked it aside, but her response was, it's this, that my soul rejoices in the Lord. It may not be convenient for me. It's not what I thought it was going to be, but boy, God, when you say this, let it be so. And my brother and my sister, this is the kind of attitude, the kind of people God uses. God wants to come in and disrupt your plans. God wants to come in and change the trajectory of your life. God wants to come in and, and cause the way things have been to just turn radical change in your life. And for the people God chooses and uses are those who desire to go, to go God's way. Now here are two things that we get from this story. He says, my soul praises the Lord. For people who desire to do God's will, they have enthusiasm. My soul praises the Lord. My heart rejoices. This is not a green and bad old boy. If God wants us to do this, well, I guess we got to do it. I mean, what a shame. But I guess I just got to do it anyway. No, 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 no. She was enthusiastic. There was excitement. God's going to use me. So I'm excited about it. This is an act of, is a statement of acceptance, one of tolerance, one of eagerness, one of excitement. My soul praises the Lord. My heart rejoices. Whoa! Wedding plans, bye-bye! Because I'm going to be used by God. I'm going to be in a path where I don't know where it's going to lead, but God says it, I accept it, so let it be. My brother, my sister, nothing great in life is ever accomplished without enthusiasm. Nothing ever, nothing ever. You don't get anywhere further without enthusiasm. The word enthusiasm comes from two Greek words, and enthuse, in God. You get it in God. God is with me, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to take care of my kid. I'm going to do everything I can in this church that I serve. Oh, God is my strength. He's my source. He's my mentor. He's my friend on this job. I'm going to do the best I can because God is my strength. Enthuse, in God. We get the motivation from God. You can do it by yourself. You cannot look at everything that you cannot do and base your enthusiasm on. It comes from God. And so even in difficult situations where you cannot go, you can be enthusiastic. And this is Mary who didn't understand at all that she was what? Enthusiastic. She was excited. Oh, God. Now the will of God was good, perfect, and pleasing, and she bought into that. For you to be used by God, my brother, my sister, you must desire to do God's will. And this desire comes from an attitude of enthusiasm. Second, also, you see, it comes from an attitude of humility. My soul praises the Lord for showing concern of his what? Humble servant. <laughs> now it was, God, thank you for thinking of me. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for allowing me to be part of your vision, of your plan. Thank you for calling my name. Thank you for this door you've opened. Thank you for this opportunity, even though I don't understand. Even though I don't know the turn around the bed. Oh, I am excited. I am in agreement. The word humility, it means agreement. It means joyful surrender. 
Because God has shown his concern for his humble servant. And he am I use me. He am I take all of me and use it for all of your will, God. And the point here, my brother, my sister, is this, that none of us deserve to be used by God. We are all trophies of God's grace. And God wants to walk in your life no matter how things have messed up or gotten broken. God wants to walk in your life and he's looking for that desire. He said, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. Whoever opens the door, God uses whoever is thirsty, let him come and drink. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whosoever, you see the whosoever's in the Bible. It is one of willful acceptance, one of willful desire to get in the will of God to do what he says he wants to do. And this is the first key, my brother and my sister, that we learn from the Christmas story by way of Mary. If God is going to do a work in your life, if you are going to see God's plan manifest in your life, if this change, this radical change that God has destined for your life, if it will come to fruition, my brother, my sister, you must desire it. God has already made his mind to use you, but he won't force it on you. It's not automatic. You must say, God, I desire your will for my life. Well, let's put uh, some, 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 uh, some teaching around this. Three people, David, Paul, and Jesus, David, a man after God's own heart. David, a man that God singled out from the sheep pen, singled him out. Not the oldest, but the youngest in his family. And God anointed him to be king. One who didn't have royalty in his blood, but God took the throne from Saul's son Samuel and gave it to a shepherd. Back in those days, a shepherd was the lowest in the totem pole, the shepherd was one who wasn't being counted in society in those days, but God picked the shepherd and made him the greatest king that has ever lived, David. You say, why is that? Look at this. Look at what David said. Psalm 40, verse 8. I desire to do your will. Oh, my God. <laughs> you say, why, did God, why does God pick people? Why does God use people? Why isn't God using me? It begins with a desire. I desire to do your will. Look at Paul. You remember Paul? Oh, Paul was a murderer. Paul was one who was really pulling Christians and beating them up and throwing them into the lion's den and making a mockery out of them. He was really one who was just the, 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 the accuser, one who was in opposition to Christianity. And why did God use him? Why did God use him? Because God saw a desire in him that even though he was mean and brute and nasty, he was searching for something, searching to, for the will of God. He was doing all the right ways. And when God called on him, look at what happened. God saw that in him. Before he, before he even saw that himself, that he was ready to do whatever God wanted to do. If he knew the right thing to do. Look at St. Corinthians 5 now. Paul is speaking. He says, our only goal is to please God whether we live here or there. Whether we live or die. Whether we live here on this earth. Or we, we live there in heaven. Now, whether we live or die. Our only goal. 
That's all we're seeking. We're not seeking money. We're not seeking fame. We're not seeking fortune. We're not seeking popularity. We're not seeking materialism. Our only goal, our only goal, the only reason we wake up every morning is what does God want me to do? I'm, and I'm going to go about doing it. God uses and bless those who desire to do his work. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Oftentimes Jesus walked away from people. People who were hailing him. People who were, you know, trying to crown him king. And people who were adulating him. Here's what he said. John 6, 38. I came down from heaven to do what God wants me to do. Not what I want to do. Can you make this your goal? Can you make this your heart desire? That you might here to please people. Don't live life to please your kids, your husband, your wife, your boss, anybody. Live to please God. And guess what? When you please God, when you live your life to please God, it takes care of everything else. One goal, one burden. That will take care of everything. You can't please everybody. You cannot. You say, I want this person to like me. I want this person to say nice things. You, you fail. You will fail. There are some people in life, you will roll under a bus and get run over and they will still ignore you and they will still talk mean behind your back. Quit living to please people. Become like Mary. Get your heart centered on living for God and then all other things shall be added unto you. And God's going to look at you and say, yes, in that family, in that home, on that job, in that community. In this season, I'm going to pick you and I'm going to elevate you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to open financial doors for you. I'm going to bring breakthrough in your life. I'm going to call strangers to do big things in you. Because you desire to do my will. See it in the life of Mary. We see it in the life of Paul, David, and Jesus. Make this your goal. Let this be your plan in life. He says, I want God's will to be in my life first. How do you know when you really want God's will first for your life? My brother, my sister, you, 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 you know this for sure by listening to him every day. And every day I want to encourage you this week and for the rest of your life, get yourself in a place where you are hearing from God. Have a quiet time with God. If you're not listening to God, you don't really want God's will for your life. Because God's going to show you things about your heart, your life, your relationship, your finances, your goals, how you're spending time, your money. God's going to really get you centered on him. You're training your ears to hear from God. And you do it every day. God speaks to people who listen to him. And there are those, when you listen and hear from God, then you are led to do the will of God. You say, Pastor, God never speaks to me. Well, God is speaking, but you're not listening to him. You're not listening. One of the reasons God chose Mary is because Mary had a listening ear. God says, my sheep, hear my voice. And they follow me. They will not follow a stranger. Look at Luke 219. Look at, look at Mary, why God chose Mary, because she had the desire to do God's will. will. And let me say, I came from her, listen, Luke 2, 19, it says, when the angel came and said all these things, you're going to give birth to a child, his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us, he's the savior that has come, and he was hearing all these things, let on the angels came, and they were telling all these things, the, the, the shepherds came, and the wise men came, and he said, what? he says, Mary quietly treasured these things in her heart, and did what? often thought about them. Are you thinking often about the will of God? 
Are you thinking often about what God wants you to do in your life, in your marriage, in your relationship, in your health, on your job? Are you thinking about, are you hearing from God and pondering over it so that God can expand the vision, so that God can sit it in your heart and your mind to, to erode the things that you picked up from your culture, from your past, from your life, from tradition, the things that you, you see from Facebook and Twitter and, 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 and Instagram that has entered into your psyche. Are you listening to what God is saying and treasuring that offering in your heart so that you have the willpower to carry forth even though none goes with you? <laughs> she quietly treasured these things. You will treasure something that you desire. Treasure something that you long for. She was looking for, man, how is it going to happen? Look at me, I'm only two months pregnant. Wow, this son of God is kicking. I wonder how he's going to look like. I wonder what he's going to do. I don't understand it all, but I've heard what the, uh, the, the prophet Isaiah said. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. I heard that. heard it in Sunday school. I heard that you know, as a Jewish girl being taught to me. But wow. Pondering, thinking, imagining, fantasizing. says faith is the evidence of things not seen. The reason some of you easily give up when you criticize is because you have not wrapped the vision in your heart and God hasn't shown it to you. Oh, we used to be in, in our old place and there was a lady who came in, found us online and came in. There were only like five people or so in the Bible study. And I was teaching like there were a million people over there and she was shocked, she was shocked, she was shocked after a sermon. She says, Pastor, I want to speak to you. I said, I said Sure. She said, I don't know how you do it. There are five people here, and I've been to churches where there are thousands and thousands of people, and you were speaking today with the anointing, with the powers, though all these seats were filled. I said, it doesn't matter. I'm doing the will of God. It's not about anybody else. You treasured something in the, the word of God, the will of God, the vision of God in your heart. I am speaking to you from an empty chapel, but I am seeing in my mind's eyes thousands and thousands of people who are receiving the word of God and God spreading his word like a seed, bringing about, bringing about transformational life change. That's what happens when you treasure God's word in your heart. That word becomes vision and that vision comes alive. That desire is put to work. The reason she could dismiss the criticisms, the reason she could dismiss all the fears, the reason she could shut down on her inadequacies and the change that was coming our way is because what she treasured, the word in her heart. My brother, my sister, you do the same also when God's going to do big things in your life. She did that often. You remember the story where a young man by the name of Samuel, her mother Hannah, just had one son and she, get, she didn't have a son. She was childless in her old age and was being teased by others. She says, God, I just want to be called a mama. I just want to stop crying. Would you give me a child and I'm not going to keep this child. I'm going to just raise this child, and when the child is a little boy, I'm going to take him into the temple so that this child will serve the prophet Elah. And God saw her heart and said, okay, I'm going to give you. And God gave him Samuel. And you remember what happened. She followed through and took Samuel in, and one day while Samuel was sleeping, Samuel was hearing a voice calling him Samuel, Samuel, and he got up. 
knock on the prophet's door. He says, prophet, I'm here. What do you want? He says, I haven't called you. Go back to sleep. It's too late. He went again and the voice second time. He says, prophet, I'm here. What do you want? Third time. The wise prophet, he told Samuel, Samuel, he says, it is the voice of God that is calling you. The voice of God that you've heard calling you. Say this to that God. Say this to God. Speak for your servant is listening. Mary quietly treasured these things in her heart and often thought about them. What God wants to do in your life, your brother, your father, your mother, your sister, your friend, your neighbors, your husband, your wife, your kids, your co-workers have not seen and experienced it. God wants to speak, birth a vision, show you a diagram, a picture of what he's trying to do in your life. He's trying to paint it so loud and clear, and he wants to build on that as time goes on. Quiet your heart. Every day, get with God. Spend some time reading God's word. Coming to him in prayer, humbly seeking him, and treasure these things in your heart, and that will build a desire to want to do God's will more than anything in your life. That's what Jesus says. Matthew 6 33. Be concerned above everything else with the kingdom of God and with what. He requires of you, and he will provide you with all these other things. What should you, you, I mean, what should you be concerned about? Your house, the car that you want to drive, clothes you want to buy, the Christmas presents for your loved ones. He says, above it all, above it all. Don't let that consume you. If that is what's consuming you, what are you going to eat for lunch? What, what, what are you going to shop? What sale you waiting to come by so you can buy something, some electronic guy? He says, don't, 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 don't. above it all, above your health, your marriage, your kids, your retirement, above it all, above it all, be concerned with the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? The will of God, the plan of God, what God wants to do in your life, how you fit in the center of God's plan for this season. Be concerned about that. Be enthusiastic about that. Be in agreement with that. Be in alignment with that. Be in operation around that. And do what God requires of you. And then he says God will then do his thing. <laughs> All other things will be open to you. Your little efforts will go far. He'll give you more energy, more passion, more desire, more dreams, more vision, more intellect. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I could just spend the, whole, the rest of this message on the all other things that comes as a result of you being, being concerned about God's kingdom. Be concerned. That was get involved with what God is doing. Be a participant of what God wants to do in your life. Find your way in the will of God's purpose for your life. And quit chasing after materialism. Quit chasing after the things that you feel will bring, give you superiority over others. People don't care what you have. The minute you buy that car, you buy that home, you build that, 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 that stuff, you're going to pass by. Somebody has something more than you ever have in life. But that's one thing that no one can take away from you. It is God's presence and God's purpose, God's plan for your life. That is so individual. 
<laughs> oh, yes. Chase after God and you'll find God's purpose. So big key is trust God and go all the way with him and he will make a big difference in your life. Go all the way. Have a desire to do God's will. Go all the way with God. Just throw yourself on the mercy seat of God. I don't care what anyone says, what anyone thinks, whether they like me or they hate me. It makes no difference in my life. Now and for the rest of my life, it's God's will. It's God's way. It's God's purpose. I want to walk hand in hand. I go to eyeball with Almighty God. And watch where God is going to take you. To be used by God, it begins with a desire. And in each of these truths, I want to give you a question to ask yourself to be able to pull out, pull out these thoughts. I want you to have a conversation with yourself and God. And so this is, this is where you need to be this week. Ask yourself, what do I desire to do most in life? For the rest of my life, what is it I want to do? For the rest of my life, what do I desire? What, I, what is it? Now, if you make it about a car, a home, if you make it about clothes, if you make it about promotion, make it about fortune, make it about anything material, about, about, uh, about position, about prestige, you make it anything else, the world give it to you, they will take it away from you. But I have a conversation with God this week. What do I desire most from God? And let God birth in you an enthusiasm, a humility, a passion, a desire to do God's will. And as you every day spend time with God in reading his word and coming in prayer with him, God will begin to enlighten you. First, he will give you just the joy, the passion, the desire that something big is about to happen to you. You have hope beyond all hope. You have an inner satisfaction that nothing in this world, no clothes, no shoes, no handbag, no perfume, no rug, no electronic gadget can, can equal to that passion, that joy, that enthusiasm that God will begin to birth in you. You will realize for yourself that something big is about to happen to you. That you are standing on tiptoe at the precipice. You are seeing a periscope like standing on a mountain top. Seeing what God is about to do in your life and your generation. And then day by day God will begin to unfold that in your life. Trusting God and going all the way with him will make all the difference in my life. It begins with a desire. What do I desire to do most? Ask yourself this question this week. And, and get into that conversation with God and let God reveal that to you. Oh, the second. When God looks to and fro looking for people he will use and bless. Oh, here's the second thing that God does. Here's how God picks people to use them to accomplish great and awesome things. It's this. It's this. That Almighty God, when he looks to and fro looking for people he will choose and use, he does this. He chooses people who dare to trust his promises. First, as people who desire to do his will. Next, as people who dare to trust his promises. My friend, it takes faith. It, it takes risk. It takes courage to be used by God. 
Now, courage doesn't mean that you are never going to be afraid. No. Courage is not the absence of fear. No. Courage is moving in spite of your fear. Courage is facing your fear with faith. I cannot do this, but God is on my side. He will make a way. Then courage moves in that in spite of fearful, anxious conditions, you have no strength to forge ahead. And God uses people who dare, who dare, who are daring. I've never done this before, but this is what God has birthed in my heart and my spirit, and with God's help, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Another word for courage, my brother, my sister, is faith. Faith. Mary was a woman of deep faith. She didn't have all the answers, but she did know who had all the answers, and he trusted the one who was the truth, the way, and the life. You dare to trust God's promises that what he says, he will do. And so because of that, Mary was not afraid of the supernatural. There are some people today, if you tell them to do something they've never done before, they'll tell you, no, I can't do it. Why? Why are you forcing me to do this? I've never done this before. So you only want to do what you've done before. How, how, how do you expect to grow? How do you expect to grow? She wasn't afraid of the supernatural. Why? Because she had faith. She wasn't afraid of miracles because she had faith. Look at this portion of scripture, verse 34. Oh, to, to 35 and 37 of our text. He says, may I ask the angel, but how can I have a baby? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and the power of God shall overshadow you. You, for every promise from God shall surely come through. He says, I'm not going to explain it in details. It's the Holy Spirit has gone through it. The power of God that will accomplish it. The intricacies of what happens. Everything behind the scenes that we're going to do and God's going to bring to pass. You can't even understand it. But understand that it, there will be an overshadowing. There will be an empowering. There will be a strengthening. It's going to be by the move of God. Not by your power, not by your might. But God's Spirit is going to do this stuff. And every promise from God, God has the power to bring it to pass. God will do what he says he will do. This is the promise of God. God wants to do it. Now look at Mary's response. She heard promise. She says promise. That all I got to do is promise in Abel God. In Yahweh. In the King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. The Creator of heaven and earth. The one who was and is and is to come. The God who said let it be in there is. It's his promise. It is he who is promising not me. It is he who is going to do it. Not me. Not my, my fiance. Not anyone I know in my little village. Mary answered. Mary answered. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I want to see this come to pass. I can wait for the promise of God to come to pass in my life. You say, why doesn't God do miracles in my life? Perhaps my brother, my sister, because you don't trust his promises. The reason God may not be working in your marriage, in your finances, in your health, in your job is perhaps because you are you don't expect him to do it. 
You're not waiting for God to do it. You're not trusting his word. There are 7,000 promises in the Bible concerning your life. How many of them are you trusting, my brother, my sister? God uses people who dare to trust his promises. Maybe you are afraid it may not work. And so you are hedging your bets. You got plan B, plan B, C, plan D, plan E, plan F, and you're spending more time on following dead ends. Trusting in people who are powerless, who are like breath here today, gone tomorrow. Putting all your hopes on a human being who cannot even take care of their life, their family, their finances, their health to come to, 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 to take care of your health. Mary says, hey, God said it, I believe it, it settles it. God uses people who dare to trust his promises. When was the last time you waited to buy something and just prayed about it and give God the chance to give it to you first? When was the last time it happened? <laughs> Get in the habit of always asking God for stuff. You know, if I'm in a hurry, that if I'm in a hurry, that I need to go to the store early. When I'm driving by, sometimes I go to Target or or, or Walmart close to me. It's always packed. I just pray, God, help me find a parking parking spot, a good parking spot. And then, boy, I just turn around and say, boom, somebody's just coming out. <laughs> and say, God did it. God just did it. He did it. When was the last time? When was the last time you? I mean, before you did something on your own, when was the last time you asked God to show you what to do, to tell you what to do, to make a way? When was the last time you did that? Watch God do big things in your life and dare to trust his promises. Well, Mary had every reason to be worried. She's going to be carrying the greatest responsibility, but instead of worrying, she worshipped. In Luke 1, we have Mary's song of worship. Instead of worrying, she worshipped. Instead of panicking about the unknown, some of you are so afraid about the unknown. Afraid, the, the fear you have is not anything that has happened, but you are afraid of fear itself. Instead of panicking, praise, pray, and trust in the promises of God. Let me suggest this to you as your loving pastor. When you come upon a situation when you think you are in and over your head, when you follow God's will instead of being scared, trust in God's promises instead of panicking. Don't worry, worship. One more. Don't worry, worship. Don't panic, pray and pray. Worship means center your thoughts on God. Center your mind on God. Seek God first in that situation. Anytime you are afraid, it means that you've forgotten the promises of God. Anytime you are afraid, this fear is a barometer. Fear is a temperature check. Oh, oh, I'm not trusting in God. That's why I'm afraid. Because when you begin to trust God, fear will walk out of your heart. Trust and fear doesn't reside in the same heart. When fear walks in your heart and you are nursing and nurturing that fear, faith walks out of your heart. You see how so? Let me give you an example. Have you seen a, like a little girl and a little boy out in an alley somewhere, dark alley, dangerous alley, just hugging and 
having some shenanigans and getting to know each other, you know where I'm going with that, and they're not afraid. But you tell that little boy, that little girl to go through that alley all by themselves and they'll be so scared. You tell them even to go in the basement you know, when the lights are off and they say, no, I'm so afraid. They see a spider, they run away. But when they trust somebody, trust, trust somebody, guess what? Fear walks out of their heart. David said, when I'm afraid, I will trust God. I will trust in God, so I'm not afraid. Fear is both a defensive and an offensive tool that God has given us. Trust God. When you come upon situations where you think you're in and over your head, when, when it's scary, don't worry. Trust in Almighty God. And this is what Jesus tells us. You should memorize this portion of Scripture. It's one of my life verses. It's very common. I want to encourage you to adopt that Luke 18, 27. What is impossible with man is possible with God. What is impossible with people? What's impossible with you, your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers, your bosses? What's impossible with people? What is impossible with the economy, with your doctor? It's possible with God. You've got to lock that in your heart that your destiny is in God's hands. And he can do all things. So therefore, you are trusting, banking, following, expecting the promise of God spoken about your life to come to pass. And those are the people that God takes to use and to bless. Trust in God. And going all the way with him will make all the difference in your life. You know, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, the aunt of Mary, emphasized this. You see, as, uh, as it happens in Jewish customs, when you have someone who's having their first child, they will leave home and they'll go live with an older relative to help them so that they don't panic. They try to see them through. And so when Mary was about six months pregnant, she went into her Aunt Elizabeth, who was also pregnant with John the Baptist. And when Elizabeth saw her niece, Mary, here's what she said. She says, Mary, you believed that God would do what he said. This is why he has given you this wonderful blessing. You want to know why? You want to know why God wants to do big things in your life? He's looking for you to trust in him. Dare to trust in his promises. And this, this word of God is for your life. The reason God will pick you to do big things if you're trusting God is because, is because, is because you trust in him. The reason God will do wonderful things in your life is because you trust in him. Dare to trust God this Christmas season. This Christmas season, become like Mary. This Christmas, let it be known that when the eye of God is looking to and fro, God has, has, has resetting things. The upper card has been changed. The deck has been shuffled. We are going into a new season. It's not based on experience. It's not based on stature. It's not based on anything else. God is picking different people to do new things in the economies of the world. And he's looking for people he will use and bless. The past is in the past. God's about to do a new thing. What COVID has brought is COVID is a great opportunity for new things, new economies, new systems, new plans, new, 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 new way of things. And the Lord, whenever these things happen, you see in the Bible, God is picking different people. I want to do a new thing. And he's seeking people who desire to do as well and desire people who dare to trust in his purpose.
The reason God gave you this wonderful blessing is because you dare to believe that God will do what he said he will do. You didn't have a come see, come saw kind of attitude. You didn't say, well, you know, you know, maybe we can still have the wedding and do this. Maybe we can hold off a little bit and and not follow through with this. Maybe we can move forward with our own plans and I just don't know what this is all about. No, 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 no. You gotta go all the way. Trusting God and going all the way with him will make all the difference in your life. You gotta go all the way. It says the reason this is happening is God saw you. You went all the way. You went all the way. And God sees that in your heart, that the things that he's going to bring in your life with the birth of Jesus, the Son of God, as you are willing to put it all on the line and leave it all in the field for God. And so, my brother, my sister, here's the question that I want you to ask yourself this week. How much do I trust God? Ask yourself, have this conversation with yourself and God and let the Holy Spirit come in. And reveal gaps, reveal opportunities, reveal areas of your life where you really need to show up your trust in God. Are you trusting God for your life, your health, your family, your finances, your job? Are you really in that space where you are walking hand in hand with God, believing and trusting God? Are you in this merry space? Do you have this merry attitude that I believe that what God has said he will do in my life, it shall come to pass. And I'm living in that promise. I'm living in that faith. I'm in expectation of new things happening in my life. And you ask yourself, how much do I trust God? Do I trust God in my finances? Do I trust God in my health? Do I trust God in my marriage? Do I tr how, how much do I trust God? And allow God to expose areas of your life where, where they are lacking. And ask him to motivate you so that you have a stronger trust, a strong faith in God. Because trusting God and going all the way with him is the difference maker in your life. The race is not for the swift. The race is not for the learned. But God says he picks and chooses the winners and the losers. And the criteria is you've got a desire to do my will. You've got a day to trust in my promises. Let me give you a third one, then we'll pray. The third is this. For you to be used by God, just as it was exemplified in the life of Mary, God uses people who would decide to pay the cost. There's always a cost in following God. There's always a cost in being used by God. If you were to say to God, God, in 2021, I want more of you in my life. In 2021, I'm going to draw closer to you. In 2021, I want to be in the center of your will for my life. What's going to happen? What's well, going to cost you? It's going to cost you some stuff. It may cost you some friends. It may cost you some time. It may cost you a change in habits. It may cost you places you used to go, things that you used to do, stuff that you used to watch. It, it will just, it, it, they, 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 it's going to cost you. There will always be a cost. And draw closer to God at a place where God picks you to do extraordinary things comes with a price tag. It requires faith. You got 
to step out and do some things in the unknown that you may be scared to do. It's called stepping out in faith. And Mary decided not only to desire to do God's will, and not only she dared to trust in the promise of God, she was willing to do whatever it took, whatever it took. And my brother, my sister, perhaps that is not what you are willing to do. Look, listen to Mary's response. So why did God choose this 17 or 18 or 19-year-old poor lady and lifted her up so that over 2,000 years and from time immemorial, Mary's name will become iconic because she decided to pay the cost. Listen to her. Look, 138. Mary said, I am the Lord's servant and I am willing to do whatever, whatever, whatever God wants. May everything you have said come true and the angel said, my, my job is done. I don't have to convince you anymore. I don't have to say anymore about how this is all going to be. That is what heaven looks for. That is what heaven seeks. That is what the angels are looking for. You are in line. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. Mary, you want to pay the cost. You want to lay everything on the line. You want to put everything out on the field. You want to do whatever, whatever God wants. Yay, yay. Something is about to happen to you. God will show you something. God uses people who decide to pay the cost. Those that trust God and are willing to go all the way, all the way, whether they live or die. I've said it over and over again. I'm never going to quit serving God. I'm never going to quit being a servant of God. Whether you come or you don't come. Whether somebody curses me, <laughs> lies on me, or criticizes me. Guess what? Next Sunday, if I'm alive, I'll be right here preaching the word of God. Because I'm not doing it for me or for you or for anyone else. I've committed to do whatever God wants me to do. And that is the source of the greatest blessing and joy and peace and satisfaction and fulfillment in my life. No one can take it away from me. You get to a place where you are willing to pay whatever price it is. Whatever the price is. On most Saturdays, <laughs> I sleep about one or two hours trying to put everything you see together. <laughs> a small church that we have, you know that it, it's to, to, everything to flow the way it's at. It takes time. <laughs> but I'm willing. I'm willing. <laughs> are you willing to do whatever? Are you willing to do whatever God wants behind the scenes? Oh, some of you, when somebody criticizes you, you're going to quit. When nobody applauds you or thank you, you're going to quit. You're blocking your own blessings. You are not finding yourself and taking yourself out of God's utility over your life. You got to be ready and willing and intent and committed to do whatever, whatever. What is not included in whatever? Nothing. What is part of whatever? Everything. You're willing to do everything. If God says move today, my bags are packed. My bags are packed. God says, call this person. I'm calling them. God says, go here. I mean, I'm going. 
I'm going wherever it takes. I'm right there. You do whatever God wants you to do, guess what? <laughs> you always be the head and not the tail above and not beneath. And God will always do big things, new things, exciting things, wonderful things in your life. Because trusting God and going all the way with him is the difference maker in your life. I'm willing to do whatever he wants. May everything. You don't get the everything without the whatever. God will do the everything, but it's waiting on you to do the whatever he wants. Some of you want the everything. May everything God said come to you, but this is also positional. Scripture is so situational. This is conditioned upon you, willing to pay the Price. Do perhaps what you've never done before and allow God to speak to you. Identify what that whatever means. For some of you, you are holding your own blessing. We'll pray for you until the cows come home. And you are only nibbling at the edges. You're nibbling at the edges of what God intends to do in your life because you are not willing to do whatever God wants. You may do some things, but you are unwilling to do whatever. Let this Christmas season be the season where, like Mary, you are getting yourself in line. And everybody who was used by God, everybody who was used by God, answered, answered this call. I am willing to do whatever God wants me to do. It's going to cost you. See, when Mary cost her her reputation, she was a virgin and was pregnant, engaged to be married to Joseph. How are you going to explain that to people in the community? Virgin who is pregnant? Really? Your fiancé will believe that? Your parents will even believe you? That, that you were, they were born yesterday? <laughs> and how long, how long was her, her, her reputation smothered? For 30 years, because it had to take her 30 years to endure the blame, the accusation, the criticism, and the gossip. For 30 years, every time she walked over, oh, there she is, there she comes. What a shame. What a shame. She couldn't wait to be married to Joseph, and she went and had a baby, and they called, you say, this is, the, this is what the Messiah, the Son of God. What a shame. Because it had to take... Jesus, 30 years before Jesus started doing miracles to validate who he was. And for 30 years, Mary had to endure criticism, shame, accusation, gossip. It cost her 30 years of reputation that she was still sticking by the whatever. Sticking with God. Sticking with God. Are you ready to stick with God? Oh, my brother, my sister. If you get serious with God's plan for your life and are willing to do whatever, God's going to do something mighty, something miraculous. And guess what's going to happen? That whatever is going to cause people to misunderstand you. That whatever you choose to do will cause people to misjudge you. That whatever is going to cause people to criticize you. And some of you can't handle being misunderstood, misjudged, and criticized. You want everybody to say nice things about you. Not everybody would. And the reason 
you haven't moved forward in your working life is because you are afraid to do that whatever which will cause people to criticize you, misjudge you, and misunderstand you at the detriment of being used by God. God doesn't care about what your enemies, about somebody who just it just careless, opens their mouth, literally just throws people on the God doesn't care. The Bible says the anger of man doesn't change God's purposes. Someone is mad with you because you're serving God. Let them have it. Their anger, their disapproval, their criticism, their misjudgment, their misunderstanding of where you are in this space of your life, where you are ready to do whatever God wants you to do, will not, will not erase God's purpose for your life. For 30 years, Mary paid the price and God. The shame and the scrutiny of her reputation, it did cost her, not only her reputation, it cost her her comfort. You say, how, why, why do you say so? You, you know, the Bible said that Jesus was to be born in Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem was the big city, was the downtown of back in those days, Bethlehem. She lived in a small village, Nazareth, that is 70 miles away from Bethlehem. <laughs> so God's will being done means that at some point she's got to get herself in the ninth month of her pregnancy where she's going through labor pain, she's got to move from Nazareth to Bethlehem. But she didn't have to do that. <laughs> she didn't have to orchestrate it. God had orchestrated it just at the right time. Guess what happened? God caused the governor, Roman governor back then to say, everybody come to the city. Everybody come to the city and get counted. Everybody, everybody, the census coming in. You better stop whatever you're doing. You got to move to Bethlehem to be counted. Bring you and your kids and whether you are pregnant, whether you're going to have a baby, you don't care, come and get caught. Because the census had everything to do with taxation. We know how many people we can tax. We know, we know where you are. We know who you are. We know you are around somewhere so we can come after you. <laughs> and so while the Bible says that Jesus needed to be born in Bethlehem and God came and picked a, a, a young lady in Nazareth, guess what? Here she is. In the winter of a ninth month pregnancy, riding on the back of a donkey with her fiance Jasse riding the donkey, imagine being pregnant with a baby bouncing for 70 miles in wintry conditions, going from what? Nazareth to Bethlehem. Is that uncomfortable? God's will, not only is it going to cost you reputation, God's will sometimes will be uncomfortable for you. It's called pruning. Jesus said, unless the seed gets crushed and dies, new life doesn't come up. Some of you are being crushed right now, not by your enemy, but God is part of your transformation process. Handle the crushing. Handle the crushing. Hang in there with God. If something good is coming out of your pain, out of everything that God is shaking loose from your life. The whatever, the whatever, the whatever, that price comes, my brother, my sister, sometimes with a season of discomfort. 
If somebody ever told you that when you trust God, you'll never have a problem in your life, they lie to you. If somebody says, I'm the, I'm, I'm your, the, the, the shepherd of your soul and I'm praying for you and fasting 24-7, you will never have any problem in your life and you are wiring money to that person left and right. Guess what? You are wasting your time. God's purpose for your life includes some problems. That's part of his plan. That's part of the change, the transformation that God uses. Is crushing so that you come forth as gold. Look at how Jesus put this. He says, You've got to be willing to pay the price. There's a cost involved. Look 14, 27 to 28. He says, No one can be my disciple who doesn't carry his own cross and follow me. But don't begin until you count the cost. You don't carry your cross. That cross is one of denial. That cross is one saying, I'm letting go of myself. The cross is one that's one of total surrender to God. A cross is that whatever. He said, you got to carry a cross. You got to say, hey, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. But no, that's going to cost you. And be ready to pay that price. For Mary, it was her reputation. For Mary, it was her discomfort. For some of you, it will be your friends, your family. Some of you, will be your attitudes, the places you used to go, the buddies you used to hang out with, the things that you used to do in the past. You're breaking away from your traditional lineage. Some of the activities and lifestyles of the old that didn't bring any success to your ancestors. You say, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to let go of all this stuff. I'm ready. I'm ready. I've counted the cost. You say, don't commit your life to God until you've really considered it. Look at this square in the face and say, I don't want this. Do that closet cleaning. Go to your closet. The, cl the closet of your soul and say, I'm not going to wear this dress anymore. I'm not going to wear this shoe anymore. I'm not going to do this and begin to take stuff and trash it, trash it, trash it. This habit, no, no, no. This lifestyle, no, no, no. This kind of people, no, no, no. The way I have to talk, no, no, no. The way I have to be, no, 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 no. You begin, you begin, you begin. He says, begin to do all these things. Begin to let go, let go. Let go of what's not working and let in what's working. Let go of your ways. Let go of your choices. Let go of your behaviors that are contrary to God's will. Let go of all the areas you are blocking God from your life. Let go! Let go! Give up some habits. Some of you, maybe some relationships, some friendships that are pulling you down instead of building you up. Some of you. Some of the dreams, the ambitions, the goals, the plans that God has spoken to your heart. Areas where God wants you to get invested in, participate in where you are waiting. Who are you waiting for? Who are you waiting for? <laughs> You are waiting for the opportune time, the right time, the perfect time. Well, the perfect time is now! You got to get on right to it. So sometime this week, ask yourself this question. The third question is this. The third question is it. What am I willing to give up? What am I willing to give up? What is it, what's the cost? What is that whatever that I'm willing to give up? What is it that I'm willing to give up? To get into that space with God 
is using me to do big and awesome things that by myself I cannot do. Here's how Paul answered the question. Look at Paul, Philippians 3, 7 to 8. Be motivated by Paul's attitude, why he was so much used by God. And even though he was one of the last apostles that Jesus himself called on the road to Damascus, he accomplished much more in the spread of Christianity. He allowed himself to be used by God to a greater measure than anyone else because he understood the whatever. He understood the cost and was willing to to pay it so that God will get right into his life and do big things. Read that with me, Philippians 3, 7 to 8. It is all these things that that I once thought very worthwhile. Now I have thrown them all away. Go back and read that to yourself one more time. Let's do it together. All these things that I once thought very worthwhile, now I have what? Thrown them all away. So that I can put my trust and hope in Christ alone. They are getting in the way of my work with God. Getting in the way of my prayer life. Getting in the way of my relationship. Getting in the way of my growth and development. Getting in the way of my character change. They are getting in the way. I have thrown it away so that I can put my trust and hope in Christ alone. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. That word more means experiencing Christ Jesus my Lord. I put aside all else. Counting it worthless than nothing in order that I can have Christ. Three times he uses the word worth. And only Christ is worthwhile. Everything is worthless. <laughs> Christ is worthwhile. But everything else that is getting away of you being used by God and getting to a higher ground and accomplishing what God has destined for your life is worthless. You ask the question, what is it? What's the price that I'm willing to pay? What is it I'm willing to give up? How can I be in this space where I'm mightily used by God? Trusting God and going all the way with him. Trusting God and going all the way with him. Is that difference maker in your life? I don't know about you, my brother, my sister, but perhaps you are in that space in your life where you need to look to God to do big things in your life and trust in him to come through for you in ways that you've never trusted God. And today I dare you. And today, I want to encourage you to Get to this space. Get to this space. Mary said, you believe God. Elizabeth said, Mary, you believe God. You get into that space where you are desirous to do the will of God. You dare to believe in God. 
you got to that place where you were willing to pay the price and that's what what caught your attention what caught God's attention the eye of the Lord is looking to and fro looking for people who will use them to bless somebody catch the attention of God let God know that I'm here I'm ready 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 for my move I'm ready for a change I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready for my breakthrough I'm ready for utility I'm ready for my expansion I'm ready God I am ready to go God's way But you see, as God has promised to do big things in your life, He needs your surrender, He needs your alignment, He needs your agreement. He needs you to believe in Him. He needs you to trust in Him. Today, will you make that call? Today, will you make that decision? Today, today, today. As we only have a few weeks before 2021 is ended. Will you get into that space in your life where you're really making a sure? Maybe someone for the very first time. You've heard an invitation to come to Jesus and maybe you've mumbled those words but you really haven't meant it. Let today be the day as you've heard what it took for a poor 17, 18 or 19 year old little girl to answer the call and to be used by God. God did it for her. He will do it for you too. Trust in God. Give him your life. Give him your life. Let me pray with you to begin the walk of a radical life change in your life. 40 years ago, I gave my life to Christ. I didn't know I would turn up like this, but I had no regrets. <laughs> I had no regrets. God has done big things and is doing huge things in my life. He will do it for you too. Pray with me, my brother, my sister. Jesus, I thank you. That on this Christmas season, I have the opportunity to be reminded that you came to set me free. And so as best as I know how, Lord Jesus, I open my life to you. I ask you to come in my heart. Save me. And make me one of yours. And on the day when my time here on earth is done, in heaven where you are, oh, I want to be there. So come and take me at your appointed time so that I'll be with you forever in heaven. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray with you uh, before we, we, um, we wrap up. In a few moments, may I encourage you to sow an end-of-year gift to Favor Life Church. You know, we are a listener and member-supported church. And it's your free will, voluntary offerings that keep us in ministry. Everything that you see happening in this ministry, the sanctuary that my art, the lights that are shining in here, the live stream that comes forth, all our mechanisms, the website, everything that we use come at cost. The gospel is free. It takes money to spread it. Oh, how will we be if we had the resources 
just imagine and do what you can to be able to support God using this ministry to spread his word of hope and to send forth his prayer and encouragement to many so that breakthrough will come. Would you be a partner by sowing a seed today, this week, this end year into Favor Life Ministry? There are four ways you can do that. The green button right on your screen when you scroll down a little bit before you leave today, will you scroll down and sow a gift into Favor Life Church? That green button can accommodate all given methods. Uh, you can use your debit card, you can use your credit card. Uh, if your card is uh, uh, a Visa, MasterCard, Diners, American Express, you name it, uh, you can utilize that right there. You can also, using that Give Online button, also use your checkbook, uh, your checking account or your saving account. Uh, using your account number and your ABA, you can uh, send in an electronic check. All you have to do is type in that information, hit send, and uh, that electronic draft will happen seamlessly. Uh, for those of you who have uh, uh, Google Pay or Microsoft Pay or Apple Pay, uh, right there on the Give button, also you could uh, use uh, that uh, giving platform to be able to sow a seed uh, into Favor Life Church. You can also give uh, via Cash App. Favor Life is our handle where you find us. Favor Life, one word. Uh, you find us on. Uh, on Cash App, Zell. Some of you use Zell. May the Lord bless you all. Uh, if you sign up for Zell, uh, scroll down. Instructions are how you would uh, also give electronically through Zell. Amen. Uh, I want to thank you all for joining us. Uh, may the Lord bless you. But let me pray for you, uh, for God to do a big thing in your life. Father, oh God, I pray that you will send a merry type miracle unto your people. Take your people to higher ground. Father, begin to birth in them a desire to do your will. Ignite in them, Lord God, oh, the courage, Jesus, to trust in your promises. Father, give them the passion to do whatever it takes to pay the cost to walk hand in hand with you, Lord. The doors for your people, Lord God. Bring them out from wherever they are, Lord God Almighty, into a new place of growth, of utility. Use your people. Use them in a mighty way, God, my Lord. Call your names, oh God. And use them to accomplish great and awesome things. You can do all things. Absolutely nothing is impossible with you. You call the tent and others go the way. You pick up the beggar, you tell us, from the garbage dump, and you elevate them to sit at tables with kings. Let this promise come to pass for your people today. In Jesus' name. Every barrier, every roadblock, every trouble, Lord God Almighty, every mistake that is getting in the way of your people from moving ahead in life today, knock it down, knock it down. Every weapon formed against them, let that weapon miss its target. Whatever the enemy is using currently or in future to bring about hardship or difficulty, render the weapon of the enemy ineffective against your people. In Jesus' name, oh God of my Lord. Father, they tell us that we are in the difficult throes of COVID. And so everyone today, protect them from coronavirus. 
Don't let them get infected, Lord. Anyone who has any hint of this virus in their body, smash it out. Burn it with Holy Ghost fire, Lord God. Eradicate COVID from their homes, from their, oh God, my Lord, from our school system. When they go to the grocery store, sanitize, disinfect their whole places. Oh God, my Lord, at the gas station, in their workplaces, their communities. Oh, go before and after them and further put that blanket of protection. The shadow of the Almighty cover your people against coronavirus in Jesus' name. The enemy always loved to get a last laugh as this year is coming to a close. Oh, don't let any sickness befall your people. Don't let any hardships. They say our hospitals are getting full. Don't let anyone get into a situation where they have to go to the emergency room. Oh, don't let Lord God Almighty any calamity, any disaster, any job firing, any bankruptcy, any evictions. Lord God, they tell us more and more people are being evicted. Protect your people, Lord God Almighty. As we're in a difficult season, Jesus, Oh God, meet your people. Send forth more grace, more provision, more protection over your people. You say in difficult times, you will send forth more and more grace. Let it be so for your people in Jesus' name. And you have left them higher than they've ever been. And this week, help them, Lord God Almighty, to reconcile their walk with you, Lord God Almighty. To make a decision to desire all of you to make a choice to pursue you with passion and dignity and to pay the price to trust in your promises wherever it takes let this message burn in your hearts lord god almighty and, if, if, and and solicit a response a godly response that will lead them into a space where they and you are one walking hand in hand to accomplish radical life change for your lives thank you thank you a big miracle. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you, oh God, on this Christmas season for your gift of life, your gift of mercy, your gift of peace, your gift of forgiveness. Thank you for your gift of divine purpose for our lives. Thank you, God. You say you came to destroy the works of the enemy. Thank you for your deliverance and your protection over our lives in Jesus' name. For the help this nation, Lord God Almighty, while we are going through this election. Oh, my Lord triangulation of this election situation put it all together lord god and cause a, a smooth transfer of power we can do all things and we're trusting in you god let it be so we love you and we praise you our king our master our lord our savior in jesus name amen let's share the grace together the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god and the sweet fellowship of the holy spirit be with us now and forevermore. Listen, I love you with the love of God. Merry Christmas to all of you. This message will be available right now. You can go back, listen to it. Uh, in a few minutes, we'll take out all the songs and you only have the message available for you to rehear it or share it with those who uh, you can to spread the word. Thank you all. Merry Christmas. Plan to join us Mondays uh, in the mornings, uh, all week, 5.30 in the morning, 8 p.m. at night calling upon the name of the Lord on our prayer online services. I love you. With the love of God, have a terrific weekend and a blessed week. God bless you all.